Welcome to the CCM Deep Dive Podcast as we go song by song and story by story through some of Christian music's most influential albums with the artists who created them. It's time to grab your coffee and settle in. Let's go. Even in recent years, walking off stage with somebody like Peter Frampton and seeing somebody running towards me, and I think they want one of his picks, they want him to sign the live album, they want something, they and they're going to go through me to get it. Hey, can you? And it's somebody, man, that Freedom album, that Freedom album. Oh my gosh, they're still talking about it. This is what I remember and, and still experience all these years later. Welcome to Eighth Wonder, the fifth and final track on side A of Whitehart's 1989 album Freedom, with one pretty clear and direct message. Tell it, Mark, tell it. (laughs) How many people don't know what a beautiful gift they are? How many people have struggled in life with their self-concept or how they thought other people looked at them or how they looked at them and they've forgotten how the Lord looked at them as their loving, beautiful child that he couldn't imagine not making. And so I think that that was, we just, you know, and one of the things, one of the beauties of Whiteheart was there was so much ministry that happened after the last note when you're so tired and your voices gets strained a little bit. And some people would come up to you and they would, they would say, you know, they wanted to have an autograph, which is great. We're honored by all that. But there, there, a lot of times there'd be somebody with just something at the edge of their eye that told you they wanted to tell you more. And those conversations would end up in a stairwell or in the ministry room or other places. And you hear about what they were going through. And some of those things are really, really hard, really hard. And so that was such a privilege to be a listener at that point. But that's the, the kind of thing is, you know, a lot of the Whiteheart songs are written about people who came to Whiteheart shows that knew us, you know, that that told us their stories. And as a result of that, we felt the need to say something, you know, uh, somewhere in between off of the off of the emergency broadcast album, which is for a lot of kids that were caught between a divorce and a divorce home, which is mm. Just a hard thing to be in. So Eighth Wonder was really something for those people, those fragile people who didn't realize how beautiful they were, not only in God's eyes, but in our eyes as well. Hey, Mark, uh, just between me and you, I think we kind of represented that, rewrote and re- and presented that song idea again years later on Ricky's Mosaic record, the song called Picture. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think that's You're right. I think that's the same idea. Yeah, it is the same idea. Letting people know that you know, you might stand next to a mountain or the Grand Canyon, but you're the biggest thing in the picture to God. Insignificant, don't buy it. You're still the biggest thing in that picture. Aim your slingshot at Goliath. You're still the biggest thing in that picture. Don't you feel so small? you feel so small God doesn't see you 
Favorite albums? Oh gosh, yes. That song itself. Yeah. That song itself. But yeah. But all of them, all ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ricky's he's something. The Ricky they are referring to is 14-time Grammy winner Ricky Skaggs. Gordon teamed up with him for the 2010 album Mosaic, in which Gordon wrote or co-wrote and produced every song on the album, with the one exception of a George Beverly Shea song, in which the 101-year-old Shea sings on. And to echo what Rick said, Mosaic was nominated for multiple Grammy and Dove Awards. Picture, the seventh track on the album that you just heard, was written by two Whiteheart alums. For Eighth Wonder, Mark and Gordon were joined in the writing by Rick Florian, Billy Smiley, and Chris McHugh, and was released as a radio single and climbed the Billboard Christian Music charts. Not that the band was watching the charts, though. Well, we thought it was going to go as we thought it would go at least to seventh wonder, but it stayed at eighth. So <laughs> that's all I remember about watching the charts back then, just being disappointed in that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not not really. I mean, I I guess that um, it, it, there were a lot of wonderful people in the music industry. We would never have been able to do what we had done, especially when I look to somebody like Billy Ray Hearn, who was such a spiritual force for all of us, especially in those early years. Hearn launched Sparrow Records in 1976 and signed Whiteheart for three albums, beginning with the 1986 album, Don't Wait for the Movie, followed by Emergency Broadcast and then Freedom. He was a member of the Gospel Music Hall of Fame and passed away in 2015, but not before receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Gospel Music Association. So even though the band didn't follow the charts, Sparrow Records, under Hearn's leadership, promoted the Freedom album and helped to make Eighth Wonder the number one song in the country for two weeks, Whiteheart's third number one song and the first of two on this album. We had the benefit of really, really talented people helping to get our record in Boston and in Billings and in Brussels and all, all that gave us far more reach and latitude than we would ever have. And mm. certainly it helps to have songs, great radio stations, people that believed in our music playing that stuff. So we're grateful for that. But, you know, honestly, it just, I, I just, that's not, that was never the why, you know, and as even, you know, I can speak for me personally, as much as I love music, it was never the why it remains not the why, you know? And, um, but all that said, it was, who can imagine more fun and nothing, anything being more creatively exhilarating to be in the room with those five other people? You know, that was that to me was the joy. What comes out on the other side of it, and if people like it, oh, sure. And and I think, too, when you if you get too tempted to write, even as a not much of a writer, if you get too tempted to write for, you know, radio. Mm-hmm. You risk losing a heart element of what it is that you just naturally conceive anyway. That's and, right. And so a, a lot of what we did on an album as a whole, because we wrote albums to be listened to all, unlike today, to be listened to one through 10. And 
We also knew where radio was, was not strongly like us. Radio wanted AC and things that, you know, we would, we would dabble and end up with some things that were kind of like that, but you don't create them for that. So you just do your stuff and you have some rock stuff, some pop stuff and whatever. And so I realized early on, oh, they're not playing our stuff, not maybe because people wouldn't want to hear it, but because radio programming is set, because I'll never forget, and it still sets with me till this day. Um, and there we were playing out, in, I think, at a, like a Six Flags in L.A. or something, and there was a, a radio station who will remain nameless that is well known. And, and we were, were like – in the green room, but it was actually outside, you know, on the side and lovely day in Southern Cal and haven't eaten and visiting with other artists there, which was always a fun part of doing festival stuff. And this, uh, the manager of the radio station unknowingly like thinking through what he was saying in our presence or my presence. I don't remember who else was there. I was there. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, so yeah, when the uh, when we get a guitar solo longer than seven seconds, we're off. It's done. We won't play the song because it's got. We've done demographic studies so that our you know twenty nine year old female listener, when it gets over seven seconds, they are going to turn the channel so we don't play those songs. And so that was the first time I ever understood, at least in the business side of radio, how things could work. And I'm like, because I remember, because I'm a little hyper, and it was like, I wanted to just say out loud, well, that's a bunch of crap. That's just like stupid. <laughs> what, what, what does that have to do with creativity? Or what, And how do you know, like, they're doing some study, and okay, so the 29-year-old females, are they the only one, or are they 90%? I just remember how I was just like, I was livid at how, what, that that would be, what controlled how people got to listen to songs. That's just, and I'm sure maybe in mainstream, there's all kinds of that stuff too. I don't know. All I know is when I heard that is like, them are fighting words. Well, if you, if you try to write for those that, for that mentality, yeah, you basically, you basically become a paint by numbers. person. Yeah. It's like you're coddling, you're, you're petting them. Like, here we go. Here's another little one for you. You're saying that that song was number one for two weeks. I don't recall that. And but what I do recall is, you know, even in recent years, walking off stage with somebody like Peter Frampton and seeing somebody running towards me. And I think they want one of his picks. They want him to sign the live album. They want something. They And they're going to go through me to get it. Hey, can you? And it's somebody, man, that Freedom album. That Freedom album. Oh my gosh, they're still talking about it. That's what this is what I remember and, and still experience all these years later. Thank you for listening as we continue through the songs from Whitehart's 1989 album Freedom. Join us next week as we flip the album over to side B and dive into Power Tools. Power Tools.